and welcome to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. So we have come to our final episode covering uh, the Baroque cycle. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'll have one more episode after this where I'll give some overall thoughts and some sources and some rankings and my favorite characters and things like that. But as far as the read-through is concerned, uh, we're, we're going to be done after this episode. So um, let's get right into it without too much review. Hopefully you've been paying attention um, to this series as I've been going through it. But where we left off is we saw Daniel, or saw Isaac, keep flipping between these two characters, sorry, uh, in my mind. Uh, so we see Isaac continuing to search for the Solomonic gold and raiding different places in London, desperate to find the, the gold that might lead to him getting some security um, in the trial of the picks. Um, but Daniel's already kind of mailed it off uh, to, to Leibniz. So he's not going to find it. And the next place they look, I think this is the last place he looks, is the Minerva, thinking it's stashed aboard there. And uh, uh, it's not. It's He can't find it. Um, but Daniel does see Isaac and, and sees him having like a stroke and see him kind of sick. So we see Isaac beginning to, to reach the end of his life. And, and you know, he he's going to die and be revived in these chapters. But... I don't think Isaac Newton lived much beyond these years anyways. He was already a pretty old man. Sick. But he's partially sick because of his uh, uh, kind of hanging out in jails and, and trying to work with Jack Shafto and talking with him all the time that he got jail fever. And that's revealed in the next little chapter. The chapters here are all really short. And we're flipping back between a lot of characters. But anyways, uh, Daniel in the next chapter learns that Isaac has gotten sick. He goes to, I think it's Newton's house. Daniel learns that Isaac is sick with the jail fever and, and Newton knows this Newton knows why he's gotten sick and that he's probably going to die but he still insists on going to the trial of the picks and being there publicly because this is going to be his final vindication that he makes the best coins in in um in the world essentially um then we go to Newgate this is all happening so new this chapter on is set in Newgate is on October 28th which is the day before Jack's execution and Jack sees outside the outside the window of his apartment in Newgate. Remember, he's been moved to the good apartment, probably by Eliza, maybe with Enoch Root's help, maybe with uh, certainly with Johan's help. Um, but money's been bribed to the sent to the right people to bribe them to put uh, Jack in the best uh, best apartment before his execution. And the crowd has come, the, the London crowd, the, the mob has come, you know, because they love him. He's a folk hero by this point. And they begin to throw coins at him. Of course, coins can be useful for someone on this kind of uh, this Baroque death row for obvious reasons. It gives you better quarters, but it also lets you bribe Jack Ketch. So um, now this is kind of an interesting parallel to what's happened to Dapa. Dapa's had his own kind of funding from the crowd uh, to, to support him, to support his anti-slavery work. So we're having kind of this redistributive um cycle going on here um where you get these folk heroes that are developing right these people that the crowd honors more so than this new king george who seems no one really cares that much about except in the high ranks of power jack's the real center of of the events and it's the same with the trial of the picks and jack's execution taking place in the same day the only thing people really seem to care about is jack shafto they don't really care about the trial of the picks they couldn't care one way or another how how much base metals in their coins or whatever um, 
But anyways, then we get a chapter at the same time, Newton's house, and Threader has come, um, and Threader's sort of caved in and has, has, has sort of agreed to help Daniel out here because he's been caught, you know, to evade kind of his own prosecution for being involved in the coining. Um, Threader comes, Daniel tells him that Isaac is sick, he's at his niece's house, Catherine. I haven't talked about Catherine Barton at all, have I? Catherine Barton's kind of a minor character in this later books. She's Newton's niece, and she's presented as really hot, and she's Ravenscar's uh, mistress before he died, and she's now she's kind of more a nursemaid for Isaac Newton. But I, I should have talked about this before, because Daniel kind of has the hots for her, um, and it's pretty conspicuous in the text. But anyways, um, Threader comes, Daniel tells him Isaac's sick, and Threader, uh, you know, basically works with Daniel. And what they do is they melt down um, Daniel's ring, his gold ring that he got from Solomon. Remember uh, the Tsar's, like, aid, the Jew? Uh, he had this Solomonic gold ring that he gave to Daniel. Daniel, now they melt it down and they turn it into... A gold guinea. Now, what's going to happen? Spoiler alert: We're at the end, so no reason to care about that anymore. Is Threader during the trial of the picks itself is going to take bits of the Solomonic gold to mix with the gold that they're melting from the picks, the samples of gold on the picks, and to get the you know the perfect weight. Um, it's a it's a little technical and a little you know, like how he actually do the swap and everything. I'm not quite sure. You know, I got to really pay attention to the details, I guess. Um, to get that but basically it involves supplementing the pick stuff with the solomonic gold to ensure that it's the right weight uh so it will be um so newton will pass the trial of the picks so that's partially i think the deal that threader got for turning in jack shaft and all that so at this point we flip to to the big day october 29th the day we've all been waiting for the the, the trial and the execution and for the rest of the book we're going to flip back chapter by chapter between stuff that jack's doing um, and stuff that's going on with the trial of the picks. So let's, um, let's just follow that same uh, method because it's pretty exciting. It, it builds it up. I mean, the fact that you're, you know, I guess the trial of the picks is, you know, not the most exciting stuff, but I think Stevenson does a good job of making it kind of compelling, especially the way the stuff is melted down and the base metal separated from the gold and the, the way the scales are used. He really does a good job, I think, making that compelling. Much more exciting, of course, is, is Jack's storyline which is a lot of fun. But anyways, we start with the trial of the picks. Um, and they pull out, and all, there's all these rituals and processions, and you got this jury of the coin uh, of people, including like coin makers. And some of those people want to see Isaac go down because Isaac's been trying to make good coinage, prosecute counterfeiters. And many of these goldsmiths and people are themselves profiting on the side from counterfeiting, and they would benefit from seeing Isaac go. But there's still all these precautions, and the, the trial itself is a really elaborate procedure. Now, I, I saw a scene. I looked this up. You know, they, they used to do this just when they when the king felt it needed to be done. But now I guess they do it every year. And I can't believe when you're talking about fiat currency, it matters much. It seems it's just more of a, a formal ritual. Um, but whatever. That's England for you. But they pull out these these kind of mint, the things that from that are kind of stored away in a warehouse in the mint that are going to be used, like the standard plates, um, standard weights, 
that will because you have to weigh the grains of the coin versus standard weights so you have to have a standard set of weights that can't be adulterated and you got various other mint documents and they're all brought on this very ritualistic manner um, and there's this procession and the trial essentially is is beginning the trial of the picks which is all done in ritual ways now daniel's sort of overseeing it because isaac is sick and he's also having to provide cover for threaders he's going to swap out in some of the Solomon and gold right to make sure the the picks trial goes okay um so then we flip to jack and um jack gets his kind of last rites so to speak he gets his his final church service now he comes in uh, in this very expensive suit that was given to him by that blonde man he saw before in the chapel. This is uh, Johan. And he's wondering who's done this. There's alchemical symbols on the on the clothes. Uh, so the buttons on the clothes, they're all gold buttons. And he's got, so the suit itself is worth like, you know, more than, you know, pe- you know, what people would make in 10 years. He's got the gold coins from the crowd that he's are all in his pocket. So he's he's pretty rich. He's got like millions of dollars in modern currency on his clothes. And he comes in wearing this. Um, this would just be wonderful to see dramatized if they ever, you know, get, you know, make a series of this, which I don't think it's ever going to happen, but I, I can dream. Um, but anyways, during the, like the, the readings, the, the, the biblical scripture readings during the during this uh chapel service center around Enoch which uh, of course I've already talked about this a little bit um, but we have for instance uh, where is it yeah something uh, when Enoch this is from the Bible when Enoch had the 65 years he became the father of Methuselah Enoch walked with God after the birth of Methuselah 300 years and had other daughters and sons. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. End quote. And and how is this interpreted? Well, you could interpret this, he just died and went to heaven or whatever, but Stevenson is interpreting this that he didn't die. And actually, Jack asks about this, and the, the or, ordinary says, it means that Enoch didn't die. And of course, that's Enoch root, right? So Enoch root is the Enoch from the Bible that walked with God. Um, Anyways, this is kind of, you know, again, Jack kind of embracing faith. Uh, it's been a kind of a theme in his later chapters is is getting rid of pride and things like that and embracing faith. That, com- that comes from his conversation with Dejex. And so him focusing on this service, this chapel service, is part of that. And somehow, you know, this is all going to save his life, right? That, that at least he has some hope that and some faith, I guess, that somehow the suit and the people who are helping him behind the scenes are all conspiring to to help him out in some way the crowd maybe um, so anyways uh flipping back to the trial not much in this chapter just all the ritual it's just wonderfully done is all the, the, the thickness of the ritual and the tradition here um you know the a lot of people on the jury though are people that might benefit from seeing jack uh, or seeing isaac newton sorry um put down because they benefit from the illegal coinage um so the next scene is we get the meeting between jack shafto and jack ketch now in real life in our history in our level of the tower jack ketch has died he died like back in 1684 why did stevenson use him well i guess he didn't want to introduce another whole um executioner when all the rules of the executions were laid out in the early Jack chapters, right? And he was actually introduced even earlier, maybe, in the first volume, the first book. Certainly the first volume. 
you know, he could have added another executioner who also takes bribes or whatever. But, uh, you know, Jack Ketch was a fig, a presence in this in the story. So I think that's fine that he you know, is such a minor character and and he is a kind of personality, historical personality. People wrote books about him. Right. He was kind of in novels. He was, his life was fictionalized. So he was a pretty famous guy, kind of like a Jack Shafto in that way, but working for the state. But anyways, Jack Ketch admits that he's deeply in debt to Jack Shafto. Um, and this is kind of his way of wink, wink, give me some money and I'll make your death quick. And and Jack sort of does offer him. I think he formally, he officially kind of offers him all the clothes on his back, all the gold coins and buttons will go to Jack Ketch if, you know, he's going to will it to him. And that's the bribe to Jack Ketch to kill him quick. Um, and of course, this would pay for Jack Ketch's, you know, family forever, <laughs> I guess. Um, he says this. This is how he kind of announces this. These clothes mean nothing to me, but they'll soon be inherited by my good friend, Mr. Ketch here, for he is not only my friend and my sole heir, but the executor of my will. By the immemorial traditions of this realm, all that I wear upon my person and the contents of his pockets are his at the moment of my expiration. Um, so that's his offer to Jack Ketch. And that becomes important later on. Um, back to the trial of the picks. Um, um, again, a lot of the ritual uh, that goes into the trial of the picks is laid out here but isaac's not there because he's kind of in the back room uh i think he's in the star chamber <laughs> which is kind of like next door but he's too sick to come out and catherine um and daniel are sort of covering for him but they want him out but daniel goes into the star chamber to check on him and he finds that isaac has died he just he has he has died at some point um of the jail fever or the stroke or whatever it was that killed him Back to Jack. Uh, Jack, again, these chapters are really short. Some of them are just like one or two pages. But we're coming quickly to the end of the story. Um, Jack Ketch does promise Jack Shafto a quick death, and the preparations are complete. He has got like this noose that he got off of like a pirate, and it's really, he shows how stiff the rope is, how this will really give him a quick death. Um, pretty gruesome stuff. And there's some kind of gallows humors here. Of course, Jack Ketch has seen so many deaths. It's just a matter of, it's just a, you know, it's a pretty mundane activity for him. Um, and, you know, Jack's certainly brave enough to, to face this, I suppose. Um, now, that's just a little short chapter. Then we go back to, uh, to the Star Chamber with Daniel and Isaac. And he sees that Isaac is dead. And Daniel prepares for him the potion, which I think involves some Solomonic gold, too, in some ways. But this is the same potion that Hook used to save his life back when he had his lithotomy the the, the bladder stone removed and back in book three of course we didn't know he died until currency it's not revealed that he actually died on the table there but was revived by hook's uh, potion he gives him the same thing and this does indeed revive isaac newton so there's there's this is some of the magic in the story right where we get the the supernatural elements here uh and one is this alchemical potion that somehow saves the life of of some of our major characters. Um, meanwhile, Threader is preparing to use a Solomonic gold coin to to cor to correct for whatever adulterations are in the picks. So the trial is 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 moving on. Um, now the next couple Jack chapters are great because we see Jack in the carriage and it's riding through town and there's this huge mob of people all there to see Jack's death, all there to support him. Um, 
And Jack realizes that if he's going to get out of this, if he's going to have his life, it's going to depend on the crowd. That's the gift that's been given to him, right? Maybe not the suit of clothing itself, maybe not any cryptic messages and the alchemical signs on the buttons, but the mob itself, the crowd, the people of London, you know, are going to save him. The people like him, the other vagabonds. He's going to be saved by the vagabonds in the end, in a way. Um, and Jack starts, like, giving all of his money and clothes to the crowd, and he starts, like, buying beer giving like whole guineas for like one cup of beer and he buys like eight of them and then he starts giving the buttons to people ultimately ends up giving like all his clothes away and i think this goes on for over a couple chapters but it's a great scene where we see jack uh just giving into the crowd's uh demands for his wealth and they're cheering him on and giving him drinks and he's uh giving his talk it's pretty beautiful stuff um we flip back to the trial of the picks and we see the gold being tested. And what they do is they melt it down. They melt down the gold coins. And of course, Threaders is so somewhat cut it up and added bits of the Solomonic gold to it. Uh, it's melted down and this separates the, any base metals. Now there's allowed to be a certain amount of base metals. You know, I guess the coins are 12 grains. They, you know, whatever way to measure that is 12 grains. And they can have like maybe like a half a grain of base metals just because it's hard to have pure gold in the coins. It's still better than most currencies out there. Um, but it's been adulterated. We don't quite, still quite know what Jack did with the picks, I don't think. It's never quite revealed. But anyways, they melt it down so they have the pure gold and then they weigh the pure gold. So the question is how much pure gold is in it. And so they weigh it and they're going to compare it to the standard weights and come to an answer. That's how the test works. Um, and the gold, this process is going on. And I think one chapter ends where they, where they're, you know, it's too hot to be tested yet, but it's been melted. And, and the center of the scene is just this gold. Um, so meanwhile, Jack, who's still given off his, his clothing, comes to the gallows. He arrives at the gallows pretty much naked. He's just in his underclothes. And Jack catch sees this and kind of sneers at him that, you know, you're in trouble now, man. You gave away all everything you were supposed to give me. And... That means no more quick death for you. And we actually see Jack Ketch preparing all his disembowelment tools and the drawing and quartering stuff, you know, because it's like, ah, if, if you're not going to get me out of my debt, then I'm going to make sure uh, you you suffer as long a death as possible. And Jack Ketch is a professional. He can do this if he wants. Now, I really like Jack's quote unquote last words here. He doesn't die. So these are sort of his last words, though. He says, I, Jack Shafta, also known as Limadur, the king of the vagabonds, Ali Zabek, Quicksilver, Lord of the Divine Fire, Jack the Coiner, do hereby repent all my sins and command my soul to God. And I ask only that I receive a decent Christian burial with all the, my quarter, if they can be rounded up and put together in the same box. And my head, too, for it is well known that the College of Physicians is gathered as they speak round their dissection tables on Warwick, so that they may rummage through my brains looking for the house where the imp of the perverse has dwelt low these many years. I prefer this not to happen. Having said that, Mr. Ketch, I turn myself over to your care, and I know only that you check your network twice for over, over. For last night when Betty came to service me and all these other fellows in the condemned hole, she was saying that you have quite lost your enthusiasm for the job. And we're looking for a position as a maid of all work. Step to it, man. The physicians are waiting. Unquote. So this is, of course, a big fear of people who were executed at Tyburn. Is that their bodies, if they were debtors or whatever, or family couldn't secure the body, it would just be sold off to the College of Physicians to be experimented on or whatever. It really happened. It was a very, very common occurrence. 
And we're going to learn later on that Isaac Newton, who himself has just died and been revived, just wants Jack's brain. Wants, it's kind of re regretful that they're not going to get Jack's brain anyways. But this is more of a cue to the crowd to save his body, right? So they're going to rush after the hanging, rush and take, just take his body and secure it. Uh, at least I think that's what Jack's sort of hope is. He can't know he's going to survive, but he maybe has some hope that the crowd has been worked up, is engaged, angry now at the College of Physicians, angry now at the hangmen for what they do to the bodies of people like them who are hung. There's like a moment of class solidarity here that that Jack appeals to. But anyways, the, the execution goes forth, and he's hung. And as he's hanging there, he sees Bob Shafto. Now, this might be a fantasy. This might be something when his blood's draining from his head, he sees, but he sees a couple of uh, pigeons released or doves or some birds, which seem to symbolize to him that that uh, his sons, Jimmy and Danny, have escaped uh, to America. But Bob's the last thing he sees. So is it Bob who cuts them down? I don't know, because Jack passes out. Jack passes out, and it's, it's, it's a well-written scene where he sees, like... Uh, well, here's here. I'll just read it. There's a roaring. He cannot know if it is the blood in his ears or the mob or perhaps a legion of demons and a choir of angels fighting for possession of his soul. Jack rolls his eyes high up in their sockets, trying to keep those birds in view. The sky, which was blue a moment ago, has turned uniformly gray and its compass is narrowing. It shrinks to a lead coin with two white birds and a black one minted on its face. So that's losing consciousness. Um, and then we come to the last chapter, which is in the star chamber. And basically, the gold is weighed, and it's not only right, it's, it's, it's not even within the margin of error. It's like perfectly 12 grains, uh, the gold, which means like the totally, if it was totally unadulterated gold, that's what you would get. And actually, the people are like, how could this be? Because there was base metal in the coins that were separated out, but they added the Solomon gold, right? So it ends up being perfectly 12 points. And, and he passes the trial of the picks, and the currency of England is declared the best in the world. Isaac is vindicated um, and risen from the dead. Um, now, at this point, uh, Barnes, I think, comes in, who's a sergeant. He's kind of been floating around this book. I think we talked about him more in Solomon's Gold. Uh, he was on the boats with them, remember? But he announces the execution of Jack Shafto, but they're like, well, where's the body? It's all dismembered, and they're like, well, not really. You know, he says, well, the, the mob kind of cut him down. And, Je and Isaac says, like, did they cut down his body or his corpse or did they cut him down? And he's like, I, I think he was dead. It's like, well, where's the body? And it's like the crowd took it. And actually, Jack crowd surfed. It's, it's described as kind of like a crowd surfing where Jack was cut down, maybe by Bob Shafto. It's kind of implied in, in the epilogue that maybe it was Bob Shafto. But he's, the crowd takes him down and drag him away, uh, crowd surf style. Meanwhile, the soldiers are, you know, guarding Jack Ketch, guarding the other uh, more dignified figures at the execution ground um, from the mob, uh, so they can't really stop it. Um, and Isaac's kind of disappointed he can't get uh, uh, Jack's brain. He finally just says, okay, whatever, let it go. But there's a funny moment where... Uh, where the Germans who are at the trial of the picks, the, the, you know, say like, why didn't you shoot the crowd if they're that unruly? And is it Barnes or, or I think it's the Duke of Marble says like, because England, we don't massacre people. And, and then he pauses and says, rather we do, but we're striving to turn over a new leaf. And, um, 
That's, that's a little bit of difference about the kind of emerging new political culture in England that does respect the mob. But of course, we know how much mob violence and mob actions were involved in the English Civil War, 18th century politics, the American Revolution, on and on and on. So that kind of ends our story. Uh, um, fine, Waterhouse's final words is that this is the beginning of a new system of the world. Uh, quote, it's the most fitting end for such a villainous man, talking about Jack Shafto. And this, the new king, a strong bank and sound coinage, and all the works of natural philosophers and engineers are a fine beginning for a new system of the world. Um, and then he sees the Duke of Marlborough kind of dueling, brawling with one of the German guards or something, and Daniel kind of laughs. Never mind that, for that's also part of the system. But, you know, which violence and brutish politics. This kind of stuff is all still part of the system. So then we come to our epilogues. There are four or five of them. Five epilogues. Five epilogues. And they're all really short. Um, they just wrap up certain characters for us. The first one we get is Leibniz, who has all the logical stuff and the Solomonic gold. And he's working on it. And Johann is there. And Johann, you know, they're talking about whether to pursue this or not. And I kind of would like this stuff, logic mill, to be made and the gold planks to be in it. But it seems that's not the case to be. First, kind of, you see Leibniz kind of getting over his feud with Newton, saying this. It would seem that Sir Isaac has been granted a few more years by alchemy, and yet clearly it has not brought him any happiness or enlightenment that he did not possess before, which gives us another hint as to why it does not satisfy Enoch. Your point, you point out that I, likewise, could use the Solomonic gold in the cellar to extend my life. Let us suppose it's true, but obviously this is not the goal to which I've been directed by Enoch or by Solomon Kohan. On the contrary, these two have sought to sequester the gold and keep it out of the hands of the one man who knows how to wield it, Isaac Newton. For me to take up alchemy at my age and melt those plates down to make an elixir, why I'd be Dr. Faustus all over again. And with it, the dismal result in the last act. So I guess it's still open that the stuff could be used in the Solomonic Gold, but it does seem that Leibniz is washing his hands of this at the end of his life and doesn't want to get involved in, in alchemy stuff, seeing it as a dead end. The next epilogue is at Versailles, where we see Jack with a crink in his neck, uh, is hanging out with Leroy, Louis XIV, who's also about to die soon. And who else is there? Uh, we're glad to see that Eliza is also spending her time in Versailles. Uh, so these three... Sometimes enemies, sometimes friends and acquaintances are all hanging out together. And and Jack and Eliza are going to spend some of their twilight years together. They're still pretty young. They're still only in their 50s. But they're finally reunited. And so that's a, a nice, beautiful moment. And it's kind of cute to see um, Jack end up hanging out with Leroy. <laughs> um, and he becomes a gardener. Then we have... a. Uh, a little section on with Bob uh, Shafto, who, who's also kind of being a gardener of sorts. And we see him with the Duke of Marlborough and they are kind of out of, um, out of getting out of politics too. Now, why do I, why is it possible that Bob is the one who cut down Jack? It's because of this conversation. Um, Marlborough says this, We shall mount a last campaign from this tent, pick off the vermin who are drawn hither by the intoxicating fragrance of Bob's boots. Bob shall study how to look after plants. Barnes shall learn how to look after souls, and I shall learn how to be idle, and Abigail shall look after us all. It sounds as though it ought to work, says Bob. So, so long as my brother doesn't show up, he's dead, Marlborough reverse. If he will show up, we'll shoot him. If he recovers, we'll pack him off to Carolina, where he'll work alongside his offspring. So, if he died, or if 
if he had reason to believe he's dead, he wouldn't have said if Jack shows up. So he must have known Jack was alive, meaning he might have cut him down. Or at least he saw the crowd save him. Uh, then we get a wonderful scene at Carolina where we see Jimmy and Danny and Tomba. Tom they're all indentured servants. Uh, they, they don't get land and wealth. But uh, Jimmy and Danny see Tomba being beaten up. And Tomba... Or, and they they kill the overseer for that. And I think one of them was a Jimmy. They learned how to use samurai swords when they were in Japan. So they have a samurai sword. And with Tomba, they run off. Run, they're runaways. And they run off you know, into the hills. And I think they're going to become bandits. Or they're going to form a maroon community with Tomba and maybe other runaway slaves. They're going to, vigil, you know, they're going to become like uh, bandit samurai in America. That's a whole novel right there. A whole novel of... of Jimmy and Danny in America um, would be great. And I guess later they be, they're ancestors to, uh, what's his name? My, and I guess it's also Bob Shafto, right? Bobby Shafto, um, the Marine in, uh, in Cryptonomicon. So I guess it's from Jack's. I want to think it's Jack's line, not Bob's line. It makes more sense. Then... Um, I don't know. We never see Bob have any kids with Abigail either, do we? I guess there's that one uh, kitty may have had with Eliza too. The final scene is Daniel before he leaves for going back to Boston and retiring. He sees uh, he's with Will Comstock and Newcomen, and they're seeing finally the payout of the investment in the engine for lifting water by fire, the steam engine. And he ponders and he thinks about the new system of the world. Um, you know, and, and this, it ends pretty nice. Here's, here's what it, how it ends, the final paragraph. This journey began with a wizard walking into his door. Now it ends with a new kind of wizard standing on an engine. Gazing down from this boiler from above, the wizard has a sense of being an angel or demon regarding Earth from Polaris. For chastened by his failures, Mr. Newcomen has become a most regular, most regular in his practices, and in this, his masterwork, the seams and rivet lines joining one curved plate to the next radiate from top center just like the meridians of longitude spreading from the North Pole. Below is a raging fire, and within is steam at a pressure that would blow Daniel to kingdom come, just like Drake, if a rivet were to give way. But this does not come to pass. The steam is piped off to raise water, and the wasted heat of the fire affords a measure of comfort to the miners. And, for the time being it all works as it's supposed to at some point the system will fail because of the flaws that have been wrought into the spite of the best efforts of caroline and daniel perhaps some sort of wizards will be required then but and perhaps this is only uh because of this age and that's a long boat waiting to take him away and that there's a long boat taking waiting to take him away he has to admit that having some kind of system even a flawed and doomed one is better than the, to live forever in a poisonous storm tide of quicksilver that gave birth to all this so that's uh, Daniel and Neil Stevenson's final comment on the, this new system that's created in, the, in this broke era through the scientific revolution, the you know, commercial and industrial capitalism, um, the age of reason and all that stuff. So that's it. That's uh, my read through of the Baroque cycle. Um, obviously, um, I've said enough about it, I think. So I'll leave it at that. I will give my final thoughts about this series in the next episode. Specifically, I'll talk about some text you might want to read to uh, go along with this. Um, I'll talk about, I'll give my, I'll rank the books in order, which is really hard for me to do. And if I were to, you know, if I do it in a week from now, I might change my mind, but I'll try. And then I'm going to talk about the top 
fictional characters and the top non-fictional characters um, in the book. So that's it. So thank you. Thank you so much for bearing with me through this indulgence. Um, what I'll come back to, um, I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to take a little break from recording for a while. I'm going to be in quarantine in Taiwan and I will decide uh, in the future weeks what I'm going to do next. Um, we'll, we'll see what they did. We'll see what it is. I'm going to read some other stuff while I'm in quarantine. Kim Stanley Robinson. I got f four of his books I want to read. I got some nonfiction I want to read too. So um, just a little break from podcast. I'll still be doing the, the I think I still got to finish up the, the Lovecraft series with the Robert E. Howard um, letters, but that seems like a good quarantine project too. So anyways, uh, that's going to be it for now. Um, I'll have one more episode on the Baroque cycle, but uh, thanks for listening through this whole uh, series uh, and I'll see you next time. Yeah.